0: So, I look at my colleagues who don't have faith, and I think, "How? How do you process all this? Pain is God's megaphone to rouse the deaf world. I mean, it's the truth, And I think you know i I, I feel like my ministry, the longer I'm in ministry, really my thing is pain and healing. and And I think pain is, is is the easiest way for us to become more aware of God.
1: Hey, friends. Welcome to the Faith at Work podcast, where we get the opportunity to bring you conversations of integrating faith and work but truly understanding why every job matters. I'm your host, Pastor Jen Kelly, joined by my friend and fellow pastor, Corey Shumate, and today we get the honor and privilege to be able to introduce you to Dr. Lena Abu-Jamra.
2: Hey friends, Pastor Corey here. Hey, if you've ever been to the ER, you know it is not a place where many people want to be. It is a place where critical decisions are made. It is a place where tears are shed. It's fast-paced. It's a time when families come together, it's also a time where family members have to say goodbye to each other. And today, as we talk with Lena, we are going to meet somebody who has felt to serve God right in the midst of all of that. And we're going to hear how her faith has informed her uh, doctoring and how her doctoring has informed her faith. And through it all, we're going to hear stories of heartbreak and also of hope. Lena and I go way back. Uh, Lena has served uh, as a a Bible teacher, and she has taught uh, in Christ Community Singles Ministry setting when i was leading that she is from lebanon she's led an absolutely fascinating life Uh, she's a host of a podcast called living with power she's written several books including her latest called fractured faith finding your way back to god in an age of deconstruction um but i wanted to say uh thanks for being here and, and tell us what you have going on right now what what irons do you have in the fire that you're excited about
0: yeah, you know, we're doing a lot in the Middle East. Seems like a lot of my time this summer has been traveling back and forth. Because we're growing, we're establishing a presence there that's a little bit more solid over the years, which is exciting to see. Uh, we work, we do medical clinics there, and we've set up year-round medical work with Syrian refugees and the Lebanese. And so mm. that's taken up a little bit of my time the past six months, but I'm also writing more. I have a Bible study coming out next February 2023 that we've are you know we already wrapped up so now we're starting to think about marketing and I've just written the second one that comes out in a year so all of the books are sort of a year wow. ahead of time so to speak and so yeah yeah it's been a busy summer honestly I've had a lot of international travel but squeezing in a lot of new writing so it's fun the Bible study writing is fun just because my heart is in Bible study I started ministry in Bible study and books are fun but Bible study is really probably my original calling into the work that I'm doing right now
2: yeah that's so. great and uh, as I understand it you are practicing Practicing telemedicine now. So you're no longer an ER doctor, yeah. you, you do telemedicine. And is that something, were you doing that today, like before you got on our call? Or is yeah,
0: yeah, I do it every day pretty every much. Day. So it's exciting. So, I, you, you know, you people are always like, you used to be an ER doctor. I'm like, no, once an ER doctor, always an ER uh, doctor. Sure. You don't stop doing it. In fact, I'm still, you know, you keep up your certifications and I practice sure. medicine live uh, regularly, of course, in the Middle East. And so, but here in the United States, about five years ago, as we started doing more international work, you know, I've already had, I, I've always had a lot of. You know, sticks in the fire, and so for a while I ran the women's ministry at the the church in Chicago, and and sort of you know still was practicing in the ER. And then when we started doing the global work, it just became hard to put myself in a number of different mm. places. And it, and the Lord was so gracious because I think a lot of things like when you start ministry, and when you start your life and your calling, you know, sort of to think what does God want to do with my life? I think a lot of times, you know, you you can't factor in things that don't exist yet. So mm. we're all like when you're 20 or 30 or 40, whatever, you think, well, here's what I'm going to do for God. Well, back in my twenties, there was no such thing as telehealth, right. and so. couldn't have even fathomed a world Mm -hmm. where I would be able to leave the ER. So I had always this plan that I would work less, cut down my shifts and be able to do more for the Lord. And as God would have it about five or six years ago, as we started doing more in the Middle East, I needed extra cash. Mm. This thing came up where I could moonlight in in telehealth and I loved it. It was like you could actually work anywhere. And so I would like be flying to Lebanon, have a layover in London and the plane would be delayed. And I could just pick up the phone and see patients as an example. And so it just became evident over the course of Two years of that was where I needed to spend more time. And I've never looked back. It's been so awesome. I'm flexible. The pace is fun. I can do it from my house. And and so and then the ministry grew in a direction that we couldn't have done had I still been stuck in the ER in a sense. So it's really been a gift.
2: Yeah, so. that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. So you you've had like I think four hundred and seventeen jobs is what you're up to now. Uh, so I, a, I, I thought I thought it'd be it'd be great for us to get to know each it other.
0: Not
1: that exciting. Yeah, it's, it's all yeah, in uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, Like, right, right. I don't believe you. No, um <laughs>
2: So uh, <laughs> I wanted us to go around uh, t- to uh, get to know each other and answer the question: What is the weirdest job that you've ever had, uh, Jen? Jen's had a bunch I, of weird jobs too. I've so. had a lot,
1: but after she just said all of those different yeah, things, lean up yeah. everything that you've done. So I have actually been um, at 16. I was a Dairy Queen manager, so I go. served ice cream, did ah. all that kind of stuff. I've been a flight attendant, so traveled. Ooh through all different times. She's telling spaces. me this before
2: the podcast. Shining. And I said, I said, me too. And she goes, really? <laughs> I said, Dairy Queen and a flight attendant. She goes, no way. You're joking. And I was like, of course I'm joking. <laughs> she's <so> she's <laughs> super gullible. So, <laughs> learning about Jen.
1: Did a That's little hilarious. bit of uh, branch management at Chase Bank in Southern California mm-hmm. for one of the largest uh, transactions and launched Chase Private Client. So I've been everything from a, a bank manager, what? a bartender, a flight attendant, um,
0: and babysitter. Yeah. So that's
2: right. crazy. Yeah. L- that's Lena, exciting. how about how
0: about you? <laughs> Honestly, I, I really haven't had at all crazy jobs. I'll be honest. I mean, a lot of my jobs have been medically related. Um, i And I didn't work. A, I mean, I was focused on school. I had a weird job. It was weird in, in its timing. I was doing my fellowship in pediatric ER, and it's kind of a funny story. I, sometimes I tell it when I'm when I'm speaking to sort of add dimension. But I had moved to a new city. My life was a mess, and I was trying to figure. It was a mess with God. You know, I was sort of going through my first big spiritual crisis Mm -hmm. and 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 i um moved thinking there was a starbucks in this town and and i felt and i had a wager with god and when i moved it turned out that there was only one starbucks at the airport which is the one (laughs) i saw what i mean you know when i had the spiritual god and so and so (laughs) i was so upset when i moved because there was no starbucks it was like back in 2000 Mm -hmm. and i was doing my fellowship in pediatric er and so as soon as they opened a starbucks in town i went and applied for a job there so i was a barista in the evenings, but a ER pediatric ER doctor during the daytime, which was mm. sort of always so random. And I, I, you know, I lasted two months, and there was bets <laughs> going on in PR as to how long I would last in that job. So it's sort of funny.
2: Wow, that's uh, great. That's great. I, I was thinking before I've, I've been a janitor, I've uh, done uh, food service, like customer service, and and uh, waited tables. I th- I think anybody who goes into ministry should have to wait tables as a prerequisite <laughs> to. to, to, to I, I was a
0: lifeguard once. Okay. I think that was probably yeah.
2: the, the, right. kind of
0: the most boring job I had but it's a little random. Right, right,
2: right. Are you sitting around until it's an emergency?
0: So lest you you think I was on a California coast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I think the strangest job, I was telling this to Jen beforehand, uh, it was was a very odd niche job. It was uh, for a company called Cha-Cha and it's so Not strange. like the dance. So this is, this that is.
1: already sounds a <laughs> awesome. uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, it gets worse. So uh, so this is in a very slim uh, time period when we had uh, laptops and internet, but no smartphones. And so uh, oh. so it was a company where you, you couldn't get on your smartphone and say, hey, what's the weather? Or, you know, what what's the circumference of the moon? Or whatever you're wondering at your dinner, you know, dinner party. And so I would sit at my laptop and I would have, uh, you know, the interface open in front of me and people would text this number and I would get the text message. And then they would say like, what's the weather in Fresno or whatever. And I would get on Google and I would ty- type that in, and send it to them and, or whatever trivia they wanted to know. Uh, and that definitely some sketchy, weird, qu- <laughs> Jenna was like, that sounds odd. And it was, it was, that's it was, crazy. and so I got paid per question that I answered like 12 cents or something, something crazy per question. That I, and that's, crazy. that's, that was one of my first jobs, like out of high school. Strange. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah.
1: All right, Lena, we are, again, we're so excited that you're here with us and we just want to learn more about you. So I think the first question that comes to mind for me personally is why did you choose, what made you choose to go into a
0: pediatric ER physician? How did you come to that? Uh, yeah, I think the question always, why do you become a doctor? You know, people are always interested in that. And, and, and a lot of people are influenced with family. You know, my dad was a doctor. And so sort of it was in our blood. But I think more than my dad being a doctor is really the culture that I grew up in. Lebanese are much like the Indian culture today. Education is very highly valued. You don't really get to have a good life if you aren't with a master's degree at the very least. So either you do not go to school at all, or you're privileged, and you go to school, and then their expectation is that you would pick a profession. And so that that was sort of the background that I grew up in. And of course, my dad, being a doctor, we were sort of bent towards the sciences. And the Lord, of course, so much of what we are is because of what God gifts us in. And I was good at school, you know. And so I did well enough that 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 seemed to be the logical path. So I ended up in medicine sort of by default, in a sense, because of all of these things. And then I had to decide on a specialty. And I think this is sort of where it gets. a little trickier because you could do anything then in in medicine Uh, and i was debating between surgery and pediatrics and i know it seems a little bit like unrelated but but a lot of my friends who ended up in pediatrics had the same sort of the, the, you know mindset, but but what totally gave it away for me was one day I was thinking, the problem with the OR for me was that if you ended up, like you were stuck in a sense, I'm one even now in my lifestyle, you know, like the things that I do, even as a doctor who started in the ER, I love independence, I love being able to pick up and go, and the OR, like you can't do that. And so the tipping point for me was, it's like after rotating, I realized like if you're in the OR and something goes wrong, like you're kind of screwed, you're stuck, mm-hmm. you can't be like, I'm sorry, I need to be somewhere. And so I just felt like that would be too much of a prison for me. So so I practically thought, you know what, I'll start in pediatrics, and at the time, I thought I was going to be a missionary doctor. Hmm. Like, I had sort of this thought, like, I wanted to serve God, and I thought, well, what do you do in medicine? And I thought, well, I'll be a doctor who goes to the mission field, and I thought that was a short enough training that I could hit the mission field sooner. Well, I went to start my residency, and of course, again, we we all sort of start our life thinking, here's what I want to do for God, yeah. and you sort of give Him the memo, and, and things don't turn out as you want them to. And so in my pediatric residency, a couple of things happened. I got engaged and then I ended the engagement two weeks before the wedding.
2: Wow.
0: Hence, this started sort of my single story. And yeah. I ended up writing a book about all of that. But but it was pivotal because I in that season where I was finishing my pediatric residency and sort of my whole life was shifting now because I thought I was going to get married and have a pediatric career. And I really sort of came face-to-face with the fact that I could never be a general pediatrician. Mm. And If you know many general pediatricians, like it is a its own personality. Mm. And I mean, I am much more ER than I am pediatrics. And so that year, the Lord just did some miraculous things. I had missed the deadline to apply to be pediatric ER, and yet he opened the door at the last second. And, mm. and long and short, long short of it is I landed in pediatric ER, which the ER life, even in medical school, everybody was like, well, oh, you're going to be an ER doctor. It just suits my personality personality and my 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 pace and and so it's not very surprising that I would end in some capacity in the ER but I trained I, and the irony too was that I ended up training for six years after medical school because I did the three years of pediatrics mm-hmm. and the three years mm-hmm. of pediatric ER and I could have just been a surgeon and it might have been a year off of that so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in hindsight the chunk was on me but but really it couldn't have been a better fit of a career for what the Lord had in mind um had I maybe paused long enough
2: to—that's to, to, really good to see. You
0: know what I mean? But but God works in in such interesting ways. You know, I think He just shapes you to the mm. path that He has for you. When all He really expects is for you to be willing and to be like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And and you can't really screw it up. You know, He sort of guides you along mm. this path until you're where He intends for
2: you to be. That's, That's good. So good, Lena. As I'm hearing you talk about your story, you're talking about your training in in the medical field. Preparing to be a doctor and, and also sensing God leading you. Uh, as I reflect on uh, where our culture is at, it is a common, um, a common conception that people would say faith and science. Are two different realms. Right. and They should not bleed. A, you know, uh, uh, Christianity, medicine. I, th- those those shouldn't those can't coexist together. And yet, I hear you talking about them in the same in the same sentence, even. And so, uh, on the you have on the one hand, some people who are um, so anti science that they just say you shouldn't you, you shouldn't take medicine. You should only pray. Uh, and, and then on the other hand, you have people who are say really God is absent from the medical process. We should just d- d- do this in in prayer and, and and God really has nothing to do with with health and medicine. So how do you tell tell us how your faith and your journey has informed that balance those two things
0: yeah it's funny because i think people who are not in medicine are more puzzled by tension than people who are in medicine honestly i don't see the tension as deeply in the medical field i mean Mm. there's a lot of atheists in medicine for sure i'm not saying that but i think the idea that there is the miraculous like Mm. you cannot be a doctor and not see that the idea that there may be somebody bigger than you watching over i mean things happen in the hospital like patients miraculously get better others wrong you know die and it's out of your control even though everything you do is is by the t- you know by the book and so mm. i think you can't be a doctor for long certainly not a doctor who works with sick patients and not just scratch your head from time to time and go, "Wow, there's something here wow. that is happening that is outside of me." And so, wow. I I have not like I've not spent as many conversations with my fellow doctors debating the existence of God. Now, again, that's not to say that everyone cognizantly walks around going, "There's a God, there's a God." But I think there's a sense that hmm. this is bigger than I am. And so, I don't, you know, again, I am not. I mean, medicine medicine is not the academic sciences that are more Mm. you know the phds and that sort of intellectual bend it's very human (laughs) it's very vested in the human heart Mm. pain is a big component of medicine and i just don't think you can work with people who face tragedy and who face painful experiences over time and not develop some respect for the divine Mm. and and that which is maybe a little bit unexplainable. And I certainly have seen the hand of God over and over again in the medical world. So mm-hmm. I think over time, there's sort of a, an acceptance of, yeah, you know, I might not believe it fully, but there is, and for people who don't believe who yeah. might say, well, okay, yeah. I don't, so they, they don't, I don't get a lot of antagonism from people about my faith. Interesting. So you actually just uh, lent
1: us into the next question, which we, so a little bit behind the scenes here, it's really important for us to express to our listeners that every job matters, right? especially to God and what we do and how we do it. So most people listening probably want to know what is the difference uh, for you being a Christian doctor versus a non-Christian doctor. And you touched on that a little bit lightly in the last question, but could you go into that a little bit further?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've I've always grown up with this teach, teaching, maybe the sense that, it's all interrelated. I don't believe in the sacred and the secular. Like, you don't just go to church and then live here. It's all, it's all together. And I think whatever you end up doing, and in, 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 my, in, in my life, I mean, I think the fact that I have a ministry, like, I think sometimes people could see me as either a doctor or a person in ministry. I, I don't see them as very different. I've always felt like my if I'm not faithful in the job that God has given me, like, to be a doctor, how can I be faithful anywhere else in the mission field and teaching the Bible and all these mm-hmm. other things that you do? And I think the only advantage that I've been lent is that because I have a ministry it's been easier for me to declare myself as a follower of Jesus in the workplace, which I think you need to do in any workplace early on, whatever your job is. Like, you know, it's like it's like, it's like there's a sense where, I think we see this a bit in the LGBTQ community. People are very, like, they feel a sense of freedom when they say, well, this is who I am. Whether you agree with it or not, that's not the discussion here. But the fact of I'm a Christian, this is my identity. If you just lead with that and whatever job you do, there's a freedom that comes with that because now there's some context. Now that doesn't mean you walk to work with a billboard that says Jesus reigns like of course you know everything about your life ought to sort of show that in mm-hmm. a sense but mm-hmm. there is a sense of accountability that happens when you hold that banner saying mm-hmm. "Well, I'm a Christian because now even when you sin and you're going to sin at work in many ways mm-hmm. I, I think primarily in, in the words that come out of your mouth and mm-hmm. the pa- impatience that we all I mean we all go to work we're all under a lot of stress whatever our job is mm-hmm. I, I feel so much now school's starting again as we do in this interview bus drivers school bus drivers like how do you <laughs> how do you maintain your faith if you're a bus driver like, <laughs> (laughs) Writing in Chicago is bad enough, let alone driving a bus, let alone, you know, all (laughs) of these dynamics. Well, if you're out as a Christian, I think there's a certain sense of Mm. accountability to people who are watching you who might be like, well, you're a Christian, you shouldn't act this way. And what's that done for me? Because in medicine, in the ER, you can imagine emotions are high. People who are ER doctors are very intense. Mm. Things are said in the moment and it's easy to become impatient, to lose your cool, to say things that maybe you regret, you're very, and it's a very abrasive field. And so I think it's, For years, it trained me to be quick to repent, quick to ask Mm. for forgiveness, and also it it probably kept me from behaving in a way that I was expected not to behave. So Mm. it provided an internal accountability. But I think also, like, I think being a doctor, I mean, you know, as a Christian doctor, I think— it's it's and and I and I think this is important because I think sometimes we think well I'm a Christian and I'm a I'm in my workplace therefore I need to be always aware of God every moment of the day even when I go to do missionary clinics for five days I see hundreds of patients each day and there's a sense people are like well do you pray for every with every patient and it's like unrealistic like mm-hmm. you don't you can't live like it's just it's too busy it's it's too hectic like and and there's some things you just don't, don't need at every moment to stop and pray it's like you don't do that in the church job Corey doesn't show up as a pastor mm-hmm. anymore show up and well we're gonna pray and you might pray before a meeting but but life happens and there's an awareness of the divine and some days it's that awareness is hushed it's not as magnificent because it's just ho hum and I think mm. I think for me a lot of my, my work has just been work and It's in crisis that I remember I'm a Christian when I'm afraid, when there's a deathly situation that now I remember I'm a Christian when there's a bad situation, there's bad news to be shared that it's like, thank God I'm a Christian because now I need to lean on somebody who's stronger than I am. But Mm. but I think that there's a sense of guilt that we carry as Christians that we should let go of. Like, it's okay if you go to work one day and you don't pray for every patient or person that you see. Like, it's not the end of the world. Mm. Is it an opportunity to pray with patients? Yes. But if you're a Christian and Christ is living in you and you're living your life to the best of your ability for the glory of God Then, whether you take a moment in every situation and go, I am a Christian. I have to be behaving a certain way. No, free yourself of that. Live your life as you would with your spouse or your kids. Or There's mistakes that happen. There's forgiveness that happens. And there's overall a sense of, of growth over time, a sense of um, a repentant humility that I think in medicine is not often seen in physicians. And I think that will eventually play itself out whether you are... you know, know, praying with every patient or not? Because that's the biggest thing I get asked is, well, you're a Christian doctor. Do you pray with every patient? Mm. And the answer is no, of course I don't. Have Mm. I prayed with patients? Of course I have. And and how do you tell the difference? Well, the spirit leads sure. as sure. you would when you go to the grocery store. like surely at some <laughs> point you talk to Jesus about somebody at a grocery store. Yeah. Maybe you have it. you know, maybe maybe you should be. Maybe that's the sure. point of this podcast is mm-hmm. to wake people up to the fact that we are the aroma of Christ in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I had one situation. And this is to me, sort of like was a big win because I tend to self-critique and like be very, you know, like, oh, I should be a better Christian. Oh, I should share Christ more. And I remember one day, sort of having the sense of, Maybe it was a gift from the Lord, but there was a patient who came in who was in room nine, which is the mental health room. And, and I remember it was I didn't, hadn't even seen the patient yet. And at one point, the nurses came to me and said, there's a patient in room nine that you need to go see because they need your thing. They need you to pray with them. So hmm. they had. Found out enough about the patient. They figured that there was a crisis situation, that, and it was it's, it was interesting because had I been left to my own devices, I wouldn't have thought about about mm. that. I would have managed them, moved them, try to get things going, gotten sure. the ER going, and yet mm. here was this nursing team mm. who knew enough about what I lived and who I was mm. that was like an invitation here, go and pray with this patient because you're that person. Mm. And so I think those are the opportunities that remind you, you don't always have to speak the words, you just have to over time live the life, not perfectly, Mm -hmm. but faithfully Mm -hmm. as best as you can. And it shows. That's good. Lena, that's so good and so practically
1: helpful, I think, for a lot of different people that are tuning in, because Mm -hmm. you said something that's really significant earlier. You said there is no sacred, secular divide. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, I love that. That if we could help people understand that the way in which they live their lives on Sunday and how they approach. God and pray, and we can carry that through the week in their workplace is Mm -hmm. exactly what we want to do. So, you touched on it a little bit, but as you're going out through your day, you've got a lot going on, right? You've got paperwork you're filling out, you might be prescribing medications, you're talking to people, whatever it is that you're doing. How do you Experience more of God in those moments. What are some practical things that you do every day that maybe a listener could grab into or onto and practice
0: as they're going into work? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I start, I mean, now, the context where I'm working, I'm on the phone. So I, I, you start the day with prayer. I think this is why, like, you know, pastors are so big about to have your quiet time every day. I mean, mm. and, and, and and over the years, it's funny because you, you have a lot of people who kind of you It's not a, you know, we're not, it's so legalistic. to It has to happen in the morning. Well, it's not that. It's that. You need a checkpoint, like your soul needs a checkpoint. Your mind needs reminders. Mm-hmm. It's just really that. It's not. I don't care if you read Bible in the Bible morning or in the evening. It's just an evening you forget. You move on. You know. So there's this practice that you do in the morning for a few minutes that centers your day. Is all you're doing. That's what quiet time is. It's a centering process. It doesn't have to be long, but it's sort of a, a moment in the morning of saying, "All right, God, this day's not mine. It's yours. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens is your... now, you Now, You might leave the house and forget it, and that, I, I, it happens. Like again, we're human. We're not Jesus. Like and so, but at least the next morning you're going to recenter now you kind of approach the day knowing all right it's it's there somewhere there's like almost a voice in your head that's there and then honestly i think god sometimes offers us crises at work remind us of our need for him and not always crises like there's a sick patient dying I need to know the no sometimes it's problems Mm. sometimes it's I get called to the principal's office right and then it's like oh my gosh my job is in jeopardy (laughs) and our first yeah our first and I've had situations in my work where I've had to account for a harsh word and difficult interaction with with patients to this day I'll get a little email very rarely by God's grace but I'll get an email when someone complains about a word that I said that was misunderstood or maybe it was said in anger or in in impatience and I and it's it's like a Checkpoint, and I think those checkpoints happen all the time. The Holy Spirit offers them all the time, and I think again, it's like anything in the Christian life. It's about awareness. Mm -hmm. It is about awareness, even even in your family. Like you might go. I just came back from vacation with my mother, my sister, and my nephew, and you know, we pray before meals. That's a point of awareness. But how do you? How do you as a Christian? live in the presence of God. Mm. I mean, in the ER, I would leave my Bible out. There was a simple thing I would do. I would just mm. leave it. And sometimes mm. it was because I was preparing a Bible study. Mm. But I would just leave it near the computer where I would mm-hmm. work. Other times, it might be a three-by-five or a sticky thing you would put on the computer, a verse. Mm. My nephew, I was in his bedroom uh, before he was packing for college, so he needed some help. So we were up into his bedroom, and and I'd never been in his bedroom much before. he just left for college. And along the windowsill are these sticky things that he had. And some were verses, others were like little quotations of like... Is inspirational statements. I think things like that can help. We went once downtown to, I think I had a speeding ticket or so. I don't remember what, Mm -hmm. but it was a governmental office that I needed to attend to. Mm -hmm. I had my little nephew with me, and we went to one of the desks that finally, like, to get the final signature that I needed. And the woman at her cubicle had a bunch of little, like, Mm -hmm. God parts, and and she identified as a Christian. And my nephew, who was at the time maybe five, was like, oh, look, Jesus stuff, Mm -hmm. And it opened up a conversation. I think those are the type of practical things that mm. every Christian at work can do. You might some days go without seeing them. They might be sticking all over the mm-hmm. table, but some days you'll see them. Mm-hmm. Some days others will see them. Mm. And I think those are the checkpoints. And, of course, in my line of work, a lot of it is it comes naturally with patience because there are a lot of tragedies and problems. And I think C.S. Lewis, again, is so right. I've, I've quoted this in more than one of my books, but but pain is God's megaphone to rouse the deaf world. I mean, it's yeah. the truth. And yeah. I think, you know, I... I feel like my ministry, the longer I'm in ministry, really my thing is pain and mm. healing and mm. and I think pain is, is, is the easiest way for us to become more aware of God, however that pain presents man, itself.
2: Man, okay. So when I think about you as a pediatric ER doctor, it's fascinating to me and sort of a conundrum because I it's it's hard to see anybody in pain. Uh, but especially hard to see children in pain. And uh as a pediatric ER doctor, like I have three boys and that's one of the hardest things in the world for me is to see one of my yeah. boys, you know, experiencing brokenness and pain. And yet that's what you're signing up for. You're signing up to see that on a daily basis. And so I imagine not every moment is chaos in in the ER, but you are, you are seeing regular trauma, right? You know, you're regularly mm-hmm. exposed to some of the worst moments in people's lives. And I wonder how, how do you keep from getting on the one hand consumed by that? And get caught up in that trauma to the point where you're debilitated, and on the other hand, not becoming callous to that pain.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, that it, that is the balance. And in the ER, there, you need a certain amount of—I hate to use the word callousness—but a protective you can't function mm. if you're constantly, and, and I think this is very unique to the ER mm-hmm. as opposed to like if you're a pediatrician, mm-hmm. the relationship is mm-hmm. different. So people who end up, you, you find in medicine, you can almost predict who's going to end up where in medical school based on personalities. I really think there's a sense of that. And so in the ER, the type of people that go in the ER have that resilience, that, that sort of ability to sort of compartmentalize a little more. And and every ER doctor will tell you there if eventually it's like it's like anything that's under pressure, be it a zit or or a backup in a in a pipe, eventually it comes out. The key isn't for it not to come out in a moment where it shouldn't come out. Ah, And so (laughs) but but I think you know I think the one thing about I mean I would say about pediatric ER, it's actually quite a rewarding job. And and I think Corey, a lot of people have approached me with that. Like how do you do it? It's so hard. I can tell you that the happy moments in the pediatric ER far outweigh the difficult moments. Far. And the healing, in fact, the death rate is extremely low in the pediatric ER as opposed to mm. the adult ER mm. that constantly face mm. the challenges of sickness and that leading unto death because sure. of the age group risk factors. Whereas in the kid pediatric world it's a lot healthier of a base population. Yeah. But you know it's the chronic kids the, with the chronic medical issues that I think are the most painful. And I think in the last 10 years, it's the mental health stuff that I think well and the abuse. So, so sort of the abuse situations and the mental health stuff is probably the hardest categories to care for on a regular basis and and i I think you know a lot of that you know i think this is the part that i think how do you do it if you're not a follower of jesus Mm. i don't know Mm. because to me that has been my release point so i look at my colleagues who don't have faith and i think how how do you process all this and the human nature is evil and Mm. it's very see a lot of that evil in the pediatric ER. i think yeah and it's stuff you shouldn't hear and you shouldn't be exposed to and Mm. i think I think, without the Lord, without believing in a just God Mm. who will all wrong someday mm-hmm. and without understanding that when kids die, they are with him. You know, there's they're in the mm-hmm. age under accountability where they can't, they are in heaven. Like all mm-hmm. of these things mm-hmm. that God has created in in the world that that give us hope. I think how do you do it if you don't know the mm-hmm. Lord? And so for me, it's been a gift to be a Christian in this line of work. And I think it's given me a deeper strength and a stronger resilience to be able to endure these years. And I, I love medicine more today than I did. I mean, I hear a lot of people who are like, Don't go into medicine, it's a horror. I on the contrary, I encourage anybody Who's thinking about it? Mm. It has been an extremely, even now with telehealth, it is an extremely rewarding. Yes. Career and job and profession and calling, whatever you want to call it, and I would do it ten times over again.
2: That's, I'm, I'm grateful for that perspective. Y- in the ER, uh, y- you are doing medicine on the one hand, you're fixing bodies uh, and helping bodies, but you also have this other side to your work where you're interacting with patients and uh, and in in pediatrics, the families of patients, it, right there. So, so you've got this like body work, and then you've got this relational side of things where you're yeah. visiting and attending to real people going through something that's very difficult. How, do, how does your faith inform those conversations uh, around the operating room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and what I do now in telehealth, I know people are like, well, you, do you miss patient care? I'm like, you don't understand. It is patient yeah, care. Like it yeah. is this, like, I feel I'm still in the ER. Mm. And, honestly, like mm. we, it is, it, I'm moving patients, I'm um, talking to humans. I mean, and and ER medicine, again, it is extremely relational. It, you have a, a very short amount of time, to make a deep impression, and mm. and in a sense, you're selling people a diagnosis, and you have to do it well. So, so you have to establish trust quickly. Mm. And I think, again, I go back to how do you do that? Like, how, like without getting irritable, and patients can tell. And I find on the phone, they can tell more when you're in a rush. And I, you know, I speak fast, so I you learn to taper your, you know. And I've had a, a very, by God's grace, a very successful career both in the ER, but also very successful in telehealth. Mm. I'm able to accomplish the goal of a call in a short amount of time. Mm. And I think, you know, it, you know that part of it has always been fun to me. And I think this is maybe a part where you just have to give, I mean, everything. You got to give God the credit. But I genuinely give God the credit there because I honestly think sometimes, like, like I watch myself talking to humans and I think mm. it is only God because mm. I just think like <laughs> some of the things, I mean, some of the things that come out of people's mouths even now and on the phone even more because people don't see you. So there's room to say things that are very uncalled for and the ability to 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 let it slide is not a human ability and i and i think about that sometimes and i think if the spirit of god i mean this is the supernatural part of and and i know people who don't have god spirit and who are able to endure but but by nature Mm. we all want to fight back Mm. we all want to stand up for ourselves and and i think in the capacity of your profession you you have to deflect some of that Well, you can only deflect so long which is why people eventually explode right and so you know i mean i mean i mean we're not running numbers here but like if you knew like the the pers- like, i see thousands of patients every month like hmm. i'm not i wow. see a lot of patients wow. now a couple of thousand a month let's say not just a, but that's a lot of patients every month hmm. and i lose my cool maybe once every 3 months
2: hmm.
0: think about the ratios hmm. yeah. it's incredible. incredible and even then it's not really a law school how hmm. Well, I don't know how others would explain it, but I can assure you mm. that is God's spirit in me. Mm. I can assure you that when people start using language, because now I'm seeing adults as well, so when they start and, and or in the ER in your face, pressing you, yeah. angry at you, not yeah. because of you, they're not mad at you. They're mad at the situation. I mean, sometimes they're mad at you, but often it's the waiting, it's the all mm-hmm. the, oh, the uncertainty, the stress, the pain, the fatigue. How do you? How do you? Take it and swallow it. Mm. Well, how, where does this humility come from? Well, it's the Spirit of God? Mm. And how, and unsafe people do it? Yeah, of course. People who don't know Jesus. Have a certain tolerance to it. Mm. But the longer I'm in medicine, the more... I, I think really the, the callousness that you mentioned, it's easy to then tune them out and become callous. Mm. And like, you know, like, okay, you can say anything you want. I'm not going to hear it. No, I feel the pain sometimes. I'm hurt when someone is mean to me, but I can just let it go. Because I know God's spirit is is there. And I also have a a, a lack, like fear ebbs when you feel threatened, when your job feels threatened. Well, in any capacity, you might have a different type of job. And if anything happens where you feel threatened, well, again, God's spirit in you reminds you, this isn't my job. I'm stewarding whatever God has gifted me, and therefore I shouldn't be afraid. And and on and on. I mean, you can apply this in so many ways. And so I see the God Spirit manifest himself, again, in so many ways that are indirect and that are direct. And uh, and so anyway, so so talking to people, I think that's part of the ER job. I, I pray and I hope. I'm always like, when I go speak places now, because I'm licensed in a lot of places, and so people recognize my voice. And I'm always like, God, I hope I'm not <laughs> shaming your name. Like, uh. I just don't want to say something that later, you're like, I thought you on the phone, I hate you. And it doesn't happen. (laughs) a lot but i'm sure at some point it would happen and when it does you have to pray that god will offer you grace through you know i've had people go on my website rarely but once there was a woman who went on my website and scathing email Mm. and and usually the context says you don't give them what they think they need and you know they don't need it Mm. and so there's anger there and 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 i've gotten that sort of thing and and then how do you bounce back from that and treat the next person with kindness yeah Yeah, i'm glad I'm so glad that you touched on
1: the telehealth mm-hmm. medicine part because we have so many different people, especially post-pandemic, that have had to work remotely, right? Mm-hmm. They're sitting yeah. in front of screens. They're talking to people on the phones. They're sending emails. And you beautifully were able to articulate how do we respond in such a time as this, right, when we're maybe fatigued, tired, and all that kind of stuff, and it's only through the Spirit of God.
0: And unseen, and unseen. Again, Mm -hmm. it's like the social media world. When you're not seen, you feel free to say things that you normally wouldn't in people's faces. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I think, think about this too. Our jobs are also sanctifying, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, part of the whole I mean, when we think about, like, the job isn't just a job, it's not just a tool God gave us to make a living, which it is, like, thank God for that, whatever our jobs are, God's get, graced us with work, but it's also meant, everything we do is sanctifying, yeah. right? Marriage is sanctifying, kids are sanctifying, and your job is sanctifying, so when those difficult situations come up, there's patterns, I, there's been, I mean, now I've been in medicine over 20 years, but there's been seasons in medicine where I've I've had, like, you know, you, you meet up with your supervisors, they notice something in your life, and, you know, and you're like, hey, you need to change this, and you can take it personally or you can stop and say you know maybe the lord is trying to point an area in my life that needs changing and so everything is sanctifying and changing and growing and how we respond even to that type of criticism i think can shape the type of person that we are and over years you now i think there's and enough sanctifying equity in my life mm. that I can now see like maybe I don't get mad anymore or maybe I'm able to still have compassion because of years of training mm. in a job that has required the Spirit of God to soften the edges of my life and my words I like and my that. heart.
2: Sanctifying equity. That's a good, it's that's, so that's a gem. Yeah. Uh, hey, one last question before we wrap up, a lightning round question for you. So we did a survey of our people and uh, the medical med- being in the medical field is one of the top three professions uh, here at Christ Community in particular. Wow. Uh, so I'm curious if you had to answer the question, if you could change one thing about the, the medical system, what would it be?
0: Well, I mean, the idealism, I want everybody to get free care and doctors to still get paid. <laughs> uh, <that's good> <laughs> it's like, much not going to happen, but sure. honestly, like I, I wish that there was a way that every person who needs healthcare gets it mm. for free. And I'm not, yeah. And I mean, and I get it. It's not it's, it's i mean I'm, I'm not behind socialism i'm not behind social, socialized medicine and yet there has to be a time where either people are healed by god's grace we're mm-hmm. getting there mm-hmm. someday mm-hmm. but until then i wish that people didn't have to worry about their health care mm-hmm.
2: mm. appreciate that
0: lena it has
1: been seriously really an honor and a privilege to have you on our podcast today and just to be able to talk and chat through practical beneficial ways that we can connect with god in our workplace so thank you mm-hmm. really thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, I know we're going to have listeners who are going to want to connect with you. So tell us real quick how they can find you either on social media or the web.
0: Yeah, yeah. My, the website is livingwithpower.org. Mm-hmm. But ironically, by the way, it, when I first started the ministry, it was called Power at Work, huh. and we switched it because people thought it was about work. About you know, work. It's about living power. <laughs> and so we changed it. But anyway, and that's that's one way. And of course, I'm on Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just you could find me under my name, Abu Jamra. Yeah, so I, can I, spell it. Yes. I just
1: followed style. you today. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. Our conversations happen every other week where we will have another interview to help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways because as we said before every job matters also you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on email us your suggestions questions or ideas to workpodcast at ccclife.org lastly tell your friends because you know what their job matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation we'll talk to you guys soon